Hey, we're recording. Okay. We are here with Marilyn Hughes, and she is the founder of the Out of Body Travel Foundation. And Marilyn has written 101 books. There may be more now. I don't know. <laughs> it is 102 now. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh man, that's phenomenal. And uh, not just that, she's also written for 40 magazines and 18 CDs and uh, uh, an articles on the out of body travel and comparative religious mysticism. Uh, now, these books, along with their music and art, are available for free download at her website. Have you oh. guys heard anything like that? <laughs> this is it's phenomenal. Uh, I have never heard anybody do that, but this is, this is phenomenal. Now, <clears throat> Marilyn has also researched and written and taught about out-of-body travel and mysticism since 1987 and is a frequent guest on the radio shows and TV shows everywhere. And uh, many of you probably know her already because you don't write 102 books and being on radio and TV everywhere without getting your name and your face out there. So uh, you probably know her well. And uh, gosh, she must be one of the busiest person I know, at least 26 hours a day, not counting the overtime, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, um, you know, once you start going out of the body, you learn some things very fast. And maybe we could talk a little bit about how this started out for you. How did it all start out for you where you got actually the ability and hunger to go out of the body and start looking at the rest of the universe? How, how did that happen for you? Well, it began when I was really young. Um, I had a, my first really profound out-of-body experience when I was nine. Um, and then I started having them again at the age of 22. And so at the age of nine, I had a very uh, beautiful experience where the clouds opened up. The clouds were billowing to the side of this marble staircase, which went up into the heavens on either side of the stairs were just angels lined up all the way to the top. And up at the top, I saw two uh, gentlemen. One was an older man and one was a younger. Uh, the older man was, you know, uh, the white hair, the white beard, long, everything. And then one next to him um, was, you know, a younger version of that. And uh, <laughs> they both wore white robes. And I understood them at the time to be God the Father and God the Son. And they beckoned me to come up this staircase. And as I did, you know, there was just this powerful rolling energy of the um, thunderous presence of God. And then I was uh, instructed. And I was told at that time that. Um, I would be, uh, be having these experiences later again in my life, but that I had a certain calling and that, um, that it, there would be difficulties and challenges and, uh, you know, very difficult things ahead, but that, that this was um, something that I had been, you know, what I had come in to do, so to speak. And so it was my vocation in life to do this. And, um, and I was shown 
um, all the battles that the cross would undergo, um, but that in the end it would still stand tall. And it was literally like things being thrown at it from every direction, you know, fire, uh, weaponry, you know, everything. Um, but in the end, the cross stood tall and, and I needed to be prepared for it to be a difficult path, which it was. And then when I, um, but I was told that it would come back to me later. And at the age of 22, then I had my first spontaneous experience uh, out of body since that time. And it's been, um, you know, 33 years since. So, mm -hmm. um, but that was, um, you know, so it started out uh, in, in my young adulthood with just the basic experiences that you have, uh, you know, coming out of your body, floating around the room, seeing your body, learning how to move around in the ether, learning to see, hear, touch, taste, smell, learning about the astral realm, but then quickly moving into multidimensional uh, travel into the heavens, hells, and purgatories. And um, I've had, you know, thousands of thousands of experiences since that time. It's been 33 years. And um, I think one of the things that I think is really important for people to realize, because when I had my first experience out of body, um, you know, there's a sense of, wow, and, you know, wow, this is, there's so much more than we understand here below. But 33 years later, I can say that um, there's so much even more than that for us to know and discover <laughs> because yeah. the, the, the journey, the pathway begins with those beginner steps, but those are literally less than the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you can literally look at that as the millimeter chunk out of the ice of the whole picture. And of course, the more you travel, the more you realize that you'll never have it all because yeah. God is too great for our human minds to fully comprehend in all those ways. But we go through many stages and, uh, uh, you know, discernments and uh, teaching through those experiences and our uh, spiritual journey unfolds and uh, uh, it's, it's literally, um, there's literally no resemblance whatsoever to the experiences that I might have now yeah. as to the experiences I began with, because um, 33 years later down the path, um, you're in yet another completely uh, different dimension of understanding. And you've traveled through literally uh, millions of those uh, dimensions of understanding and so they all build upon one another um, and I think this is one of the most important things that I try to get across to people that the out-of-body experience itself is a tool it's not the truth it's a tool it's a tool whereby we can reach the truth but the um, the truth itself will continue to expand in our understanding um, in ways that we can't fathom on the ground. Yeah. You know? When, let's take this maybe to a uh, level that people might more be more attached to and want to understand. Okay, sure. Um, 
there the rumor on the street is that we're all going to die one day now you know how rumors are that you know it may not be true <laughs> but uh, what would happen? What would be the first experience most likely that they will see and meet up with after that incident? After the basic things happen? Um, after you go through a lot of the initial things, which are learning how to function in this completely different um, form of reality, um, you, Oftentimes people start with a teacher, a spiritual teacher who might um, teach them about oneness. That's one of the first things that we all get taught because uh, this concept of uh, the uh, oneness of all existence, all consciousness, all being, um, all life is absolutely a pinnacle understanding in order to go further. Um, you'll go through... Um, quite a few different things you're going to go into the types of experiences that have to do with your own personal creativity in this life whatever your vocation may be so you're going to be taken into the realms of creation and the realms of um you know where things like scientific discovery are being born because everything that comes to the earth below eventually has to come originally from the above and yeah. so we are taken into our vocation, what we are called to do. Um, but literally, um, uh, we just recently released a documentary called The Grand Phases of the Soul, um, which is available to watch for free as well on the website, um, which explains this uh, pathway that we begin to follow and um, discover. Because you're going to start out with a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of people will uh, become much more aware of ghosts, lost souls, wandering spirits, things like this. Um, they'll become more sensitive to the empathic uh, feelings of others. Um, you uh, immediately, when you start leaving your body, you become aware of uh, the fact that some of the things you experience in, uh, in these things involve uh, the thoughts of humanity, which are manifest in the astral sphere. You literally hear all these people talking and you, uh, for, you know, at first you're like, well, what's all that about? And you, you soon figure out it's actually, you're hearing the thoughts of humanity. Yeah. Um, another part of it is that you're going to learn quickly that vibration is the key to all knowledge. And this is part of the reason why you go into this vibrational state before you separate. The other reason is because the vibration of the spiritual body is much tighter vibrationally than the physical uh, embodiment that we have here. So when you start detaching, you hear this thunderish roaring sounds, and that's the sounds of the astral plane and beyond because it's a higher frequency. Yeah. Um, but what Would you're going to do is... You yeah. Once we make that transition, uh, wouldn't there be kind of an evaluation of how this lifetime worked? They and me, me will be looking at how badly did we screw it up or do we want to go back and try again or what? Well, what? you know, that's more of a life review, which often happens with the near death experiences. Yeah. Um, people who have out of body experiences will often eventually end up uh, also having experiences with life reviews, but it's usually not the first thing you're going to experience in the out-of-body state. Um, you're going to be you're going to be introduced to higher concepts, 
you go through uh, a series of spiritual teachers mm -hmm. that um, teach you of different things you need to understand about the spiritual world. You may travel even uh, through different life forms. You'll go backwards and forwards in time to your own past lives and future lives. You'll also experience um, uh, a lot of training about um, a lot of these things. You know, so it begins with a little bit about the higher spheres. You, you go to these places, the temples in the sky, the cities of light, the crystal rivers, you know, and you travel to them and you see what beauty awaits for us beyond this world. But then you also learn more about uh, how to assist other souls in our own sphere. And that would be like the ghosts, the lost souls, wandering spirits. Um, but a big part of the beginning will be creation. But then you're going to move into other aspects which have to do with discernment and um, discrimination in terms of understanding the difference between energetic truth and uh, the way things appear. Ironically, this is also uh, part of the Buddhist uh, practice, which is you know uh, understanding what things really are versus what they appear to be. So um, this is all going to be part and parcel of that. You slowly move into then uh, learning more and more about uh, the paths of the light and the path of darkness and everything in between. Um, and then you're going to continue by traveling from the heavenly spheres into the purgatorial spheres, which is the realms of purification. And then even the lower spheres and the hell realms um, where you will likely be trained and asked to assist other souls who are um, uh, working towards their own redemption. And, um, you know, we are always asked to give back to creation that which creation is given to us. And this is part of the reason why this is all part and parcel of the out-of-body experience, because as we receive assistance from above us, we also must now be willing to um, uh, give assistance to those in the borderlands and those in the below, because that's how we are giving back to creation for all that creation is then giving to us. Mm, okay. Good question. Yeah. Marilyn? Yeah? My concept of understanding things is, is about time here on Earth. As we record time, it's a man-made increment of uh, measurement. There, there is, from what I understand, there's no basis for time as we know it. And how does that relate to them relating back to us? And like you was talking about going to different realms in yeah. the universe. Well, what, what you're talking about is timelessness. And there actually are time constructs in the spiritual world. But as you move from the mortal sheath to the immortal sheath, you are moving into timelessness. And that's where um, all things exist simultaneously at the same time. And this is where we run into all the things with parallel realities as well. Um, the, the, the reason for you know, timelessness is because it is where all knowledge exists in one present moment. Um, and so you know, in, in the physical world, we... Um, we've created our own time structure, but at the same time, there is a time structure element that is in play here. 
because we are um, physical beings. So, you know, even if we didn't acknowledge the passage of time, our bodies would, and we would, you know, all go through the same temporary impermanent uh, manifestations and through life and death on all those things. Whereas in the immortal worlds, and again, let me just clarify, we live now in the mortal worlds, which are uh, the realms three and four, which are the earthly plane, the astral plane. The realms above that are, we're moving into immortal worlds, which is where all things become existent in one moment of time. There is no separation. Um, and so, you know, uh, there's a, a phase in these uh, phases that we go through. The grand phases of the soul talks about this. And in fact, uh, we just released a seminar set on uh, DVD uh, on the initiations into the mysteries. And we're working on one about the rites of passage. Um, when you enter into the initiations into the mysteries, you literally are entering into timelessness. And in this point in timelessness, all things are now. So every revelation that has been birthed upon the earth, every, um, every eternal truth that exists, they all are in this realm, which can also, um, it can be compared, it's not exactly the same, but it can, can be compared almost to a transcendental reality where um, literally once you cross from these borderlands, which is another word for us again in the earth and in the mortal sphere in the astral plane, when you cross from these borderlands where good and evil exist as, um, as perfunct realities, you, end, you end, end up in this place which is above and beyond duality. And yeah. this is one of the transcendental spheres. And that's also where we find that um, all knowledge exists, all revelation is happening in one instant at the same time. And it is a very different feel than what we experience in the lower spheres. Yeah, when, you, when we're saying that you're outside of the physical, there is no time as we know it, actually in the lower astral worlds, I found that there still is a little bit of time. You can right. see because it's close to us. But my impression of that is that yes, there is timelessness. But if we as an entity is concentrating on something within that soup of timelessness, we can pull it out so we can see it and experience it similar to what we can see here. And if we no longer think about it, it disappears back into the super consciousness. Is that somewhat maybe that could be explained like that? Well, I mean, I think that that's, um, that is one experience of it. Um, but another part of it though, as well is I wouldn't say that it you know, disappears from our consciousness completely because you know as we surrender to the path that god is outflowing to us um he reveals as he chooses to reveal and so when um when we have been given something to digest so to speak and once it's digested it may be taken out of our present consciousness but that doesn't hinder it from coming back in when and if necessary and so these um these things become uh 
more easy to access because you are in, when you're operating in that realm of timelessness, you can reach out for things if you're doing it from the proper uh, frame of mind that we need to have the humility, the respect, the honor due to God. Um, and then these things will be, be made known to us. Um, so I'd say yes and no. I mean, I agree with that. Yes. But at the same time, I think there's also more, but that's the, that's the difficulty, isn't it? Yeah. Augie, of trying to put into words, these things that are beyond words, which is tough. <laughs> I think most people that make the crossover, they, uh, there's an old saying out there that says nobody dies alone. There usually would be someone there. Yeah. But then, but then we have these things we call ghosts. They can hang mm -hmm. around for hundreds of years. And uh, I mean, there are cathedrals in Europe. In fact, I spent a night in one on a bed and I heard mm -hmm. people screaming in the big hall. I could hear like chains were dragging up the, the hallway. Where do they fit in? Well, when people um, die, uh, there's a, a variety of things that can occur. Um, so let's talk with the ideal point first. So ideally, a soul is able to make that rectification between a third dimensional vibration and lift himself up enough so he receives guidance and is then taken further either by angels or by whatever uh, guardians, teachers are going to take this soul wherever they um, are compatible to go. Because after death, we go where we're compatible. Um, there are some souls who either, because there's, there's you know, more reasons, but I'll give you a few. Um, either they died very suddenly or unexpectedly. And so they don't even realize that they've deceased. Um, that happens a lot. And that's what a lot of souls <coughs> are called to assist with, is helping souls who... Um, don't have the they were not able to raise their vibration in and of themselves enough to actually view the guardian angels who would be there to help them or see the light um, we have to actually shift up when we cross over into a higher vibration in order to receive the help that is always there and that's why we create you know god creates to have somebody and other people who can inter intervene in the center you also have people who um, had a very traumatic death and they're very attached and connected to something that happened in that death that holds them to the ground, so to speak. There are other people who are uh, literally unable to disconnect from the personality that they embodied in this lifetime enough to, uh, to actually progress beyond that. Some souls are just obstinate and refuse to, you know. Um, we also have um, wandering spirits, which often are souls who are doing some type of purgatorial time on earth. And so it can be so many different things. Um, and one of the things to keep in mind too is, is that it is an interesting phenomenon how these hauntings can occur for a long, long time, like you mentioned, Augie. And there's a few things to keep in mind with that. One is time in, uh, in the afterlife 
is very different than what we would experience no. here. So a spirit who may have literally been known to haunt the halls of a place for hundreds of years, it may be like a couple of instants have passed for that soul and they have no idea how much time has passed. The other aspect of this though, that is very important to remember is that you know uh, actions and interactions have energy. And so if you go to a place where a lot of highly charged energetic events have occurred. So a battlefield, for instance, um, like uh, you're mentioning this place you went to where you heard the dragging of chains. So the implication would probably be that people were held prisoner or yeah. things like this. So it's highly charged energetically. We also have this phenomenon, which is the energetic um, uh, residue that is left behind in places of events that have already come to pass. And so even like in a situation like that, someone might go into that very place, Augie, and, um, and they might actually be able to touch into and help to assist the souls that are stuck there and crossing over. But the phenomena of the haunting may not actually cease um, for a time or uh, especially for souls who are unusually sensitive, they may be able to pick up on that forever. Yeah. So if you're at a battlefield, you know, and hundreds of people or thousands of people have died on this spot, that energetic residue is enough for there to be the appearance of a haunting. And sometimes there are hauntings that are actually going on in conjunction but that energetic residue will remain even when you clear out the spirits and the souls. Yeah. And then- A lot of people will do what's called processing of energy. So people who have these gifts will go in and try to process out these highly charged um, events so that at some point that energy in that place can be restored to its native um, you know, purity that it once had. Yeah, and the, you know, one thing that's interesting, I just want to interject. You know, Olga, you even brought it up before, how sometimes these so-called spirits are formed in our minds. And collectively, if you get enough people focusing on one thing, they can materialize things in effect. Well, my, my response to that would be that, yeah, that can, you know, thoughts are things. We learn that very quickly after having out-of-body experiences. When you just start, you realize that you can create um, images and things within your, within your, uh, just the, the, the patterns of thought. And so that can absolutely happen. But I'd like to let Augie comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I think though that uh, when we join minds like that, we become a lot stronger <clears throat> and we could actually create thought forms right. that could be so con condensed that it could be seen. And yes. uh, there are experiments in the military that proves that is possible. Well, one of my theories is, is you know, on, yeah, I watch these some of these ghost shows out of curiosity. I'm not really a true believer, but some of the some of the hokey ones in my mind are, are the ones that dramatize ghosts and, and uh, create a hectic and scary environment 
to try to, you know, get ratings, I would say. But I think in the process, they do create some of these, these effects. Now, some of the true people that, that I watch, they, they don't get very dramatic when they're doing it. They're just trying to find answers. And they yeah. do it in a very subtle, <clears throat> subtle, spiritual way. Yeah, and I think also that uh, when you see something like that, somewhere in your mental fabric, you have to accept that it is possible. Because we are part of this mind-created universe also, as well as those things we call ghosts. So if we do not, under any circumstance, accept that they're there, chances are very good we'll never see anything. That's correct. Well, and I'd, I'd like to add to that, though, because... Um you know, um, with, uh, we, first of all, remembering too, ghosts and lost souls, um, yeah. they're people, they're people, you mm -hmm. know, so they're people who have died and we forget often. And I think that's how people can also, also kind of dramatize it is by losing a uh, perspective of that fact, which is that, uh, it's no different than dealing with someone who is disturbed, who's still in, within their physical body. So they vacated their physical body, but these are people. When you're dealing with an actual ghost or lost souls, um, the energetic imprint, again, definitely applies to what you're talking about. But if you're dealing with a real ghost or lost soul, you'll find and you'll see this as well in the annals of um, hauntings that a lot of times people who have no belief whatsoever in this sort of thing end up in, you know, in these homes that are uh, run amok by some type of paranormal activity and and so i think that's important to uh recognize it's just that there is a discernment process and like you said um you mentioned as well what you see in terms of the dramatizations on television and yes they do have that um tendency um ironically a few years back i was asked to participate in one of those programs and and we ended up parting ways for that very point because they wanted me to be very dramatic. And I was like, no, I wanted to show people how it really works, you know, <laughs> not, not make something up. But, uh, but that's a very important point because, uh, um, because what happens then is that we do uh, place these human souls who are in need of assistance yeah. in a, a very different type of category then we would if we just acknowledge, okay, there are people who are no longer in their physical body that need help. And so, um, you know, so a lot of those are not people that we have to be afraid of. Of course, yeah. there is that whole other side of it, which does involve uh, dark demonic sources that come literally from the below worlds, even below us. And, and those are a very different thing because then you are dealing with a principality and power of evil and then yeah. it changes the dynamic quite a bit yeah, we, we, we have the power to draw on positive energy from god but we also have the power to draw on that negative energy and the extreme would be what you were talking about demonic kind of presence true and that's true um, but one thing to keep in mind and this is something that a lot of people um have difficulty accepting is that the powers and principalities and powers of good and evil are real powers and principalities and mm -hmm. the wars and the battles that take place 
are real wars and real battles. And what does that mean? Why is this important? It means that we can lose because they're not, you know, it isn't that just the light and the good always triumph. They don't. And that's why people who are mystics are called into this world to um, actually participate in those battles uh, to try to maintain the dominance of this realm to a higher degree towards the light than the darkness. And we've all seen how uh, things can alter very quickly when the energy of the dark flow is actually becoming more dominant than the light. And that's what we're seeing in our uh, in a lot of the uh, current events that are around us these days is that there is this battle and it's a real battle between principalities and powers of good and evil and we can lose. And that's why um, ironically, okay. if, if, we don't, um, if we don't realize that, then we actually make ourselves more vulnerable to um, much more serious losses because we, we, that is actually one of the, one of the greatest deceptions of the dark side that, you know, okay, let's just tell people God always wins, you know? And if we do that, then, you know, uh, then we forget, no, it's a real battle. And people do get taken down in these battles. Mm -hmm. uh, injustice occurs around us in every walk and phase of life that we all, we all see and experience. And uh, when you are going in to take care of a lost soul or a demonic spirit that is residing inside of a home, you, you better go in there knowing that I better be prepared and have my uh, armor of God on very, uh, very surely because I can lose. And especially if I go in there thinking that I can't, because if I think I can't, then they're going to take me quickly and yeah. I'm not going to win at all. <laughs> the, the thought that I'm drawing from that is that actually chances are that somebody that is a total atheist, when they suddenly, let's say in a really bad accident, horrific incident, they die and they end up on the other side and they look around and say, wow, boy, was I wrong. And now they don't <laughs> know what to do because they had no clue about anything spiritual. They're just hanging around wondering what's going on. Right. A lot of times that takes them by surprise. And it also, it also contributes to the confusion as to, well, did I just get injured in an accident or am I actually just dead? Yeah. You know, because if, if you believe that, then your belief is that you cease to exist if you've died. And so a lot of lost souls can originate just from that um, false view alone. And if you imagine how many false views we have as human beings that we can uh, bring to the surface that can lead us into a state of being lost, uh, yeah. then you recognize that there is a lot of fertile ground for lost souls and, and uh, ghosts to emerge. Even just the uh, false view of, I am this, I am this body, this personality. So, you know, this, this unwillingness to let go of this fragmented uh, portion of our immortality is what often drags a lot of these souls into this perpetual karmic circling and they just stay in a place and relive uh, certain moments of those lifetimes out over and over and over again until something breaks that momentum. Got a quick 
thought for you. What about spiritual entities or beings outside of the physical that is from another existence, another world, they don't even look like us? Mm -hmm. How do we communicate with those? Well, you know, that's a great question because, you know, there are a lot of those in the mystical spheres. So, you know, primarily the mode of communication in, um, in the out-of-body travel states is going to be telepathic, yep. but we also communicate vibrationally. Um, sometimes we communicate where, you know, we will take each other's hands and they will communicate to me who they are, what they are, what they're all about just by that action alone. So we communicate telepathically, we communicate by our thoughts, we communicate by vibration. Um, and there is also this emanatory quality that you can also communicate from. But part of the reason it's, it's such a wide range and there's more to it than that even is because there's such a wide range of different beings and entities that do exist in these other spheres. So you can be talking to other souls who have either crossed over and are just kind of wandering around the astral. You can be talking to spiritual teachers, spiritual guardians like angels, those from the higher hierarchy of the angelic systems. You can be speaking to extraterrestrial intelligences who either exist on other worlds, other planets, or even multidimensionally. Um, and that will happen as well. Um, and then you're looking at all of these different orders of being. Yeah. And so there are so many different orders of being. There can be like a, an individual way that that communication by vibration or by telepathy is slightly different in every single one of those. Um, but it, you know, when it comes down to its basic essence, it's telepathy and vibration that you are using for that kind of communication. You know, it's kind of interesting is talking about communication. I think vocalization is probably one of the main curse on humanity because it allows <laughs> us to lie. Yep, that's true. To deceive. Yeah. Like yes. we know our, well, I won't talk about politicians. <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, if we use primarily tele tele telepathy, we, we cannot lie in a form like that. Now lies well, go away. Oh well. You well, can't. what happened? Well, not exactly though, because well, and I want to touch on both points, um, because it is true. So lies don't necessarily go away, because the reason we have these middle middle worlds, like the astral planes and things, is because there are still beings that are out there that are by their very nature tricksters. So yeah. there is deception. Okay. Um, um, but the other thing that you had mentioned, Chris, was the, um, the, the fact that uh, if we couldn't speak, then maybe we wouldn't lie. But what we also see is that just our very, the very nature of our own personal delusions, the very nature of our own personal misunderstandings about truth also contributes to that. And then, you know, in the out-of-body travel state, you learn about eternal law and eternal truth. And what is the energetic truth? Which means what is the truth according basically through God's eyes? And when you look at it from the energetic truth through the eyes of God, 
there is no deception there. And that's where we really are breaking down that, that, uh, that deceptive lying, uh, you know, uh, courting the truth, so to speak. Um, you know, in, in the human world, there are a lot of excuses we have given each other and ourselves as to how and why it's okay to, you know, either be deceptive by omission or deceptive by, uh, well, it's not exactly true. Part of what I said is true, you know, <laughs> but in, when you come down to the eternal truth, everything is as it is then. It is no longer what do things look like because in the spiritual essence of all existence and being, all that matters is what is really there. Um, whereas if you speak to a lot of human beings on earth, they're going to probably tell you, well, it matters how things look, right? And I'm going to say, no, it matters how things are because yeah. anybody can make something look any way that they want it to. But in, in the, in what we learn in the mystical spheres is that God only cares about what things really are. You know, so that energetic truth is a big part of um, what we touch into in the out-of-body experience. And then we're, we're uh, taught and, you know, trained and, and, the, and we're continually being in, infilled with more and more understanding and fusion of what that truth means and why it's important and what we are to do with it. I, I know that uh, traveling up the ladder, the spiritual ladder, so to speak, is somewhat dependent on our own vibration and see how far up we can handle the vibration. Yes. How far up have you gone and what have you seen up there in the really the higher vibrations? Oh boy, I mean, you know, the... Uh, I've traveled in a, I've traveled to the deepest pits of hell and I've traveled to some of the highest heights of heaven. You know, uh, I've been in the throne room of God, watching how God moves, bends and sways throughout all incarnate life, all at the same time, simultaneously and been blown away by that. Been to the 23rd dimension where the golden angels reside, who are probably one of my favorite of the angelic hierarchies, seen St. Michael, gone into the galactic heavens gone to um there's many different levels of heavens but i've gone into yeah. the empyrean galactic heavens too where you'll find that you you see that there are spirits not only of human beings but of extraterrestrials there and you realize that we're all part of this same mystery of the redemption and um you know uh, i've seen to, uh, you know i've been to the cities of light the temples in the sky to the ancient pyramids and through the ancient initiations um there is so much for us to learn and discover. Um, and this is, you know, the, the real crux of the out-of-body experience is this um, escalation of the soul to something noteworthy, something of meaning and value and worth. And what we end up doing as, you know, human beings is we really trivialize what it means to be human. Yeah. And the out-of-body experience becomes a tool for understanding what the true uh, impetus, force, purpose, vocation is for all incarnate human life as they enter into a border world like we live in, the mortal realm, 
um, to work through and overcome that goodness and evil within our own souls and around us. Um, and so, uh, gosh, you know, the crystal rivers, I mentioned those before where, you know, literally the trees in the crystal forests will have flowers made of amethysts and, you know, uh, things like this. There are a lot of places in the spheres uh, where there are, they're just things of beauty beyond anything that yeah. you can imagine where you hear, you hear symphonies that are being born in heaven much long before they will ever reach the earth. You, you experience this, uh, this peace, um, this transcendental peace and calmness that exists in these higher spheres. You meet myriads of teachers who are going to teach you. So like, for instance, one of my first teachers, his name was Emmanuel, um, and he was there to teach me about oneness. Then later I had a teacher by the name of Kutahe who was Oriental. And then he was teaching me how to listen to the deeper promptings of the soul. Then you're going to be seeing, uh, you know, all sorts of other beings. Um, I've had the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics from throughout time. They come and they, uh, and they teach us. Um, they teach us not only through what they do with us in the mystical realm, but they direct us to ancient texts that they have left behind with words that would be um, very uh, redemptive to us at this uh, time in our existence. And so uh, I've met with many, many of the old ones from the Native American traditions, um, a lot of the tribal things. I've met with Christ and the Blessed Mother uh, many, 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 many times with the Buddha, Davalokiteshwara, and even Zarathustra. Um, so you, you travel in these beautiful, amazing places where um, you learn the secrets of the ages from the very souls who discovered them first. Yeah. No, you know what, your journey, thing. your journey reminds me I can't remember the name of the movie, but uh, years ago, there was a Robin Williams movie. What and, Dreams uh, May Come. Yeah, and very thought-provoking. I don't know how true the concept was, but you left the theater very affected by what you've seen. It wasn't yeah. a movie for laughing or... <laughs> it was a very a deep, soul-searching type movie. And is that some of that based on fact or some of it is yes definitely um uh one of the things about that movie it covered a little bit mostly about like there was this and i guess this is an irony as well is you know the the wife who had committed suicide and and the husband's journey to try to liberate her from the lower worlds where she was stuck by the context of her own thoughts and her own thinking um, that definitely caricatured that type of journey into the purgatorial or the hellish realms and how we go and assist other souls very well. Um, there was uh, the idea in that movie where they showed how you could create things from your thoughts and he was creating these worlds. There is more of, in the mystical spheres, there is more of uh, like a group think going on. 
Whereas it's not just, okay, I'm individually going to create this world here and no one else is in it. It's just me. You know, all those, those kinds of places do exist. There is more interplay and interaction between um, these higher spheres. Um, and we go to places that are um, much more, because uh, uh, each place we go to is related to what we're compatible to. So whether it's our virtue or our vices, we're going to translate to something like that. There's another mystic by the name of Francisco Candido Javier, who uh, died in 2002, was very prolific writer. They did a movie. He was from Brazil. They did um, a movie uh, called Astral City based on his first yeah. book. And that one, I would say, is more close than what dreams may come. So I highly recommend that one um, to people because that was just very well done. But I got to say the books are still better, um, you know, because the uh, Francisco Candido Javier wrote very prolifically about life in this spirit world. And um, uh, I've read through most of the first 12 volume series that he wrote on that, which started with Nasolar, which translates to Astral City. But they did an excellent job in that film of showing the interrelatedness of souls yeah. in the afterlife helping one another and yeah, assisting movie. souls in the world as well. Yeah. Can I ask another question? Sure. You know, <laughs> your interpretation of, of your journey outside the, our realm. It, 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 would it be consistent with everybody else that's in your field with uh, the crystal river and the, and, you know, the trees with the gemstones on them? Would it be consistent or is that personally your interpretation that's offered to you? In your well, I think that that can happen for all of us, for sure, you know, personal experiences, but the experiences that I have written about and uh, experienced over the years, and uh, I, I hear from a lot of people around the world, not just other mystics, but other people who have had random experiences, near-death experiences, um, you know, it does seem to be that we all do have a pretty common sort of element to these experiences. Um, certainly other people have seen the cities of light, the temples in the sky and the crystal florists I've read about. And, you know, if you look in the ancient sacred texts, even all the way back thousands of years, they're talking about a lot of the things that we are taught now. Like, yeah. for instance, um, even if you just go back to the writings like the divine pymander of Hermes, which is, you know, like 5000 years early Egyptian teachings and um, basically Hermes is being taught and uh, documenting down in his writing a lot of the same things that other people of other faiths and myself and many other people um, would uh, be be learning of right now and again it would be you know Hermes was would talk about the many different spheres he talked about the basic concept of as above so below which de definitely actually coincides with um, many of the world religions and the tribal religions from all over the world. If you read about the shamanistic uh, records that have been kept of mystics in the different native tribes, there's a lot of similarity. Another thing about this that I think is relevant to your question is um, 
that if you go back to just even shamanistic practice um, and stone age religion, what's interesting about that is these different tribal cultures, whether they were in New Zealand, Hawaii, what is now the United States, Europe, Australia, Africa, Egypt, Siberia, these people who practice these shamanistic um, traditions, their practices were almost identical. Yeah. And these were peoples that had no contact with each, uh, with each other as far as we currently know. And so that tells us something as well. Another aspect of that that's very important, if you read the writings of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics, you'll see this thread of con continuity that goes through their writings, whether they are you know, Muslim, Catholic, or you know, Buddhist, Baha'i, or Hindu, Jewish, you know, because what we find is that the mystics, no matter what tradition they may be, once you bypass these human constructs that we place, which might be the dogmatic principles that end up defining a path of truth that someone has had revealed to them, when you get past that, they all enter into this same transcendental sphere where they're saying much of the same thing. Although there are minor differences and there are always going to be um, visions that you read out there of different people from throughout time, which may appear to contradict one another. Primarily that comes from our own human misunderstanding. I remember one of the first experiences I had and have continued to you know, have throughout the years was this, you know, when, when you go into the out-of-body experience, you also experience this tremendous unconditional love of God. And then you also have this sense of uh, the, the knowledge of God that descends into you. And when you're in that moment, everything makes sense. Nothing is confusing anymore. And that is even the things that might appear to us on the ground as a contradiction, they make sense. So like, for instance, if you were to take like a Catholic Christian's worldview versus a Gnostic Christian's worldview, when you're in that state, and I had a mystical experience about this in particular, like 20 years ago, in, when you're in that mystical state where that influx of knowledge comes in, you see that there really isn't a contradiction. But on the ground, in terms of what the dogmas that are taught, the dogmas of the Catholic Church versus the dogmas of a Gnostic, they, they do have what we perceive as a contradiction. But when you go up into this transcendental sphere above it, it all makes sense and there is none. And that's yeah. what's really fascinating about it. Yeah, there's a big difference between organized religion meant to control people and also spirituality meant to free people. So I can see that. Now, let me ask you something. There is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I am a traveler too. And it, it took me quite a while actually to get out the first time, but I was, uh, I'll change the expression. I was heaven bent to do it. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so you know but then again i hear some people catch on like duck to water and 
it's easy for some people. So what would you suggest for someone that wants to go out there and have a look and start some of these experiences and get them? What should they do? Maybe um, you probably have one of your books talking about this, mention that and also make sure you get your uh, information out there so people can get a hold of you because you do a lot more than this. You also do spiritual counseling and many, I want you to talk about that also. Yeah, well, it's at outofbodytravel.org and you can download um, all of my books for free there. Um, in terms of how to, I would recommend people start with Come to Wisdom's Door, How to Have an Out-of-Body Experience and the Mysteries of the Redemption, a treatise on out-of-body travel and mysticism. Um, one of the things that I was shown early on in my journey that the Mysteries of the Redemption even though it's a cataloging of the experiences that I had in the very beginning, because there's a bunch of books that go well beyond that. What it does is it opens up people's inner spiritual uh, uh, willingness and ability to travel because it, it sets off this, it's like a map, you know, it's placing a map in front of you. And all of a sudden what wasn't possible to you the day before, now you see, oh, this is possible. And so the Holy Spirit works with that. And a lot of people just have spontaneous experiences as they do that. In Come to Wisdom's Door, I lay out um, all of the things that, it's very short because it's really not that complicated, but it's the things that you want to do to prepare and put yourself in a state of receptivity for the out-of-body experience. We also, I recently wrote a book called Astral Projection Made Easy, which is almost more like a devotional which allows you to go through things to remind yourself of from day to day of aspects and practices that you want to keep in gear. Ironically, my, my guidance on out-of-body travel would be pretty similar to the guidance that you would see um, given in the ancient sacred text, which is prayer, meditation, and spiritual reading. Many of the saints talked about how um, spiritual reading is so essential because that's how we actually lift our minds to God. And we have to lift our minds to God to be preparing to receive uh, this tool to the truth. Um, one of the things I also suggest is meditations. You do them while you're laying down um, because here we're trying to go out of body. So we don't want to be sitting up and it'll get blown out if you go out of your body because you'll tipple over. Um, but I also suggest very um, concentrated, lengthier periods of meditation, which like three hours or more. And the reason for that is because especially as you're beginning, you're cultivating your vibration to get your consciousness to descend into the depths that it needs to be before you literally can almost fall asleep and reawaken into a conscious out-of-body experience. So you want to give your body and your spirit a chance and you have to give it enough time because it does take practice. It is a discipline as well as, you know, just an experience itself. The discipline is the prayer time, the meditation time that you're giving a lot more time than usual to and spiritual reading so that you're constantly lifting your soul up out of this mass retain type of thinking, which holds us to the ground so those are some of the beginning things, but you know, probably um, the biggest and most important aspect is, which is related to 
how we delineate between out-of-body travel is the tool and it's the truth itself is God that we're seeking. So the most important aspect is that we seek with the intention and the desire to know the truth, uh, regardless of whether it agrees with our previous view of reality or not, but also this deep abiding uh, intense intention that we wish to undergo that purification of the soul that we actually incarnate here to do. Mm-hmm. And when we become, when we enter into that, then, you know, it's almost of itself, it emerges because that's a, a holy intention of, I want to complete the work that um, God has placed me on the earth to do. And for those of us who are human beings who are incarnate in this realm, we know um, without question that the first and foremost task that God has given to every single one of us is the purification of our own soul. So when we, when we develop that noble aspiration and it comes from a place of deep humility, that's what really energizes out-of-body experiences. And I've seen this thousands of times with people I work with. I do do spiritual counseling one-on-one with people who want to do that. And if you want to sign up for that, you can go to the website and do that there. But people also, whether they're working with me personally or who have been reading my books, I get hundreds and hundreds of emails from people. And it really is that aspiration, that aspiration, because again, out-of-body travel is a tool. It's not the truth itself. It's the way that God creates one of the ways for us Mm -hmm. to achieve that truth, to seek it out. And so the aspiration is actually more important than the tool. You know, years ago, I I had the fortune of of attending and instructing with some volunteers, mentally challenged uh, teenagers in high school. And at first I was hesitant because I was, a, I was afraid. I didn't know how to interact. I said, well, how, how do I talk to But over the two years that I'd done this, I came to the realization and I'd tell people, they are the one blessed because everybody looked at them as poor things that they, they had an inability to be achieved like normal people did. But, but they're the ones that were blessed. And like you said, I think God understands their intent and he knows that they're good people. Yeah. And then, like I said, pure blessing. Well, and I relate to that too, because when I was younger, I worked at a home for the handicapped, had a similar realization that some of the people that I worked at with were um, truly, um, and these were people who uh, didn't, you know, had a lot of difficulties, a lot of disabilities, but they had this childlike simplicity and humble trust. Um, And, you know, when they had faith, it was the truest faith. Um, And, you know, when they, they just had this, this, you know, you know how Christ would say there is no guile in them. They had no guile. They were just, and as you mentioned, Chris, talking about how we as human beings deceive one another. They weren't even capable of, you know, generating the thought of maybe I should deceive somebody. You know, they couldn't even do that. That's how without guile they were. And they were so blessed in that way. And yet many of them 
thrown out, thrown out. I remember one child came came to high school one day and he had two different socks on. You know, <laughs> most of us, you know, would have died of embarrassment. He just laughed at it like, hey, it's funny, you know. And we laughed along with him. It wasn't a big deal. In his mind, it wasn't a big deal. But yeah. they knew how to love people. They they, they, they were do. genuine. Sounds like well, something you know I would do. <laughs> Me too. I was going to say I do that. Well, we won't go there, Augie. <laughs> I was going to say, shot. though, you know, Mother Teresa always said that um, to the people that were suffering the most, the people who were dying, and she said, God must have trusted you above all others to have, in, have in, you know, placed this, this kind of trust in you to handle this kind of a burden. And we forget that. Yep. That those who carry huge crosses are often very beloved of God for the very reason that they're able to carry it in a way that is graceful beyond the rest of us even having the capacity to comprehend, totally. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it is probably, uh, what I'm concerned, fairly well proven that we are not alone in the universe. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you went out and went to the moon, Mars, some of the other planets, what would you see? Well, what I've seen in those things are, I mean, it's different for different places. You know, so like, for instance, uh, Mars is actually a multidimensional planet yeah. now, you know, so there are actually some angelic kingdoms that reside there. Um, on the moon, it's pretty much of a barren landscape. But when you, you know, when you go through the initiations into the mysteries, you're taken into these heavenly bodies. So it was taken to Jupiter as well. And that is a, a planet where in the multidimensional spheres, there is a great deal of work that is done to bring about destiny, the destiny of humankind. In Saturn's rings, there is a vibration that when you go through the initiations into the mysteries, you are to enter into those rings and take that vibration upon you. There are aspects and um, uh, peculiarities of energy that these different heavenly bodies uh, contain. You know, um, in those initiations, you would also be taken to the stars and to the sun, which is an immortal pathway. And the stars are just blazing heavenly light, but they are also these great cosmic beings. You know, they are living, breathing entities. And so literally some of the initiations, you are literally thrust onto the surface of the star. Just you take in, you know, literally that vibration, which, you know, in these out-of-body experiences, everything is about that vibration being heightened and fine-tuned and brought to higher and higher thrusts because yep. it is through the understanding of these higher, finer vibrational frequencies that knowledge descends and through that, which we become capable of altering ourselves and altering worlds and altering and assisting other souls. And so this vibrational element is part of all of it. In, in Venus, there's a, another a multi-dimensional existence um, where they have actually in this multi-dimensional sphere 
it's a very beautiful world, very similar to our own with mountains and, you know, grassy plains. And they also have white winged horses there. <laughs> and they have, you know, they have um, a lot of the um, groupings that you would find for creation based beings. And so these are groupings. So for instance, there may be um, one trajectory over here that has five or six of these ascended higher souls who assist with a particular type of creation. And then over here, you have another of these groupings where it's not just one soul, but many. And these are higher sphere beings, but they help and assist souls on earth with various creative potential. Yeah. So, you know, on, on Venus, I had ran into what the, a group called the Assisi Marauders, which um, energized creation all around the earth and the Temple of the Dolphins, which is this beautiful place, which uh, brings forth music from the below to the above, from the below the depths of consciousness. So a different type of below, not the lower worlds below, but a below the depths of consciousness. They're bringing this music, which intones awakening for humankind. And so there's a lot to be seen in all those worlds. In the sun, you're gonna see a bunch of different paths. There are different corridors to various levels of immortality. Yeah, sometimes there's bleed over in space too because both Russian uh, cosmonauts and American uh, astronauts, they've said that they've seen huge angel-like clouds in space where clouds does not exist. So there is something yes. going on there. And, and Dr. Uh, Edgar Mitchell also talked about that, uh, that him and other sp space travelers with him had entered into that um, samadhi state at a certain level in space. And that yeah. was what actually fueled his research when he returned from the moon into consciousness studies was because of what he experienced in space about uh, yeah. samadhi, ecstasy, and what he remembered reading in the ancient sacred texts. He was like, wait a minute, you know? And that's, that's how he ended up going that route and yeah. um, putting a lot of energy and effort into that. You're also doing uh, spiritual counseling and other things. T tell us a little bit about that. I know that this is getting we kept you way longer than what I thought. And it was so interesting. I really appreciate it. So. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me, Augie. You well, you know, with the spiritual counseling, I work with people on a variety of things. Uh, a lot of people are uh, needing guidance and, and counsel in just various spiritual aspects of their lives. And some people have other things in their life. I, I'll do, uh, I can do, you know, uh, different types of modalities for people. We can do it on Skype, on Zoom. So, you know, some people I do deliverances for, some people we do uh, past life regressions. Some people I try to take them through hypnotic regressions into like the pure lands. Um, so we're trying to create a, 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 a construct between this world and the ethereal world that they can, uh, you know, seek to communicate through even when they return back into their physical body. Um, but, you know, I work with people on a lot of things. Some people, it's just personal issues. Sometimes it's professional issues. A lot of times it's people trying to figure out what they feel God is calling them to do. And um, a lot of times, too, people 
come to me when they're grieving and they, they want to have a little bit of uh, conversation and possibly some contact with some, someone who may have deceased. And sometimes that comes through for them. Sometimes it doesn't. I, you know, I, I just let God direct. Um, but, you know, uh, generally there's a lot of different things that people will come to me for, but uh, the primary directive is, you know, the spiritual direction towards their fulfilling of their own um, highest potential in this realm spiritually. And that's what you could probably boil it down to. But, you know, we talk about uh, anything under the sun and, and yeah. we work with whatever, whatever different people might be needing at the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anything under the sun and above the sun. And, and above it too, yes, good point. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Well, also, um, tell us also whether you, you know, you can get uh, your books and uh, the, maybe the CDs and the things that you have created. Sure. If you go to the website at outofbodytravel.org, um, you go there. Um, there's a lot of interviews you can watch. We're doing a lot of uh, vignettes these days, which are uh, little video um, film shorts that are little teaching shorts that we're putting out there, but the books are found on the uh, Out of Body Books page. And underneath that uh, button, you can find the Out of Body Travel Films, where you can see two of the documentaries that have been done so far. We're working on more. And under that is where Out of Body Travel Music and Art is, where you will see some of the paintings I did of places I've seen, along with uh, you can listen to the music and or purchase it. Uh, that I've received in out-of-body experiences. So ironically, they're all related to what I've seen or experienced out of body. Um, and they're available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any bookseller. We have them available in paperback, audible, um, digital. Um, and I think, you know, there, there might be other things. Oh, and we do have a course of study there as well. Um, that's free to take, which takes you through a lot of the preparatory things that uh, ironically, which is uh, directly based on how um, spirit led me through my own uh, awakening from the very beginning. So it follows the progression as it was given to me to follow as well. Um, and you can sign up for spiritual counseling on that on there too. It's um Underneath the, uh, the first tab is a tab for spiritual counseling. We also raise funds for um, uh, projects around the world. So if you go to the charitable projects tab, if you want to, you can uh, contribute to those. Right now, we're currently, we've been helping a family in Venezuela who's living under this dictatorship. And um, so we try to get them enough money every month so they can buy food for the family of four that they have. And um, we also are raising money for the Foundation for Children in Need in India. Uh, they have lots of amazing projects. Dr. Gita is a friend of mine and she was also a friend of Mother Teresa's and she uh, actually provides medical care to the outlying villages in India uh, for people who would not have any kind of medical uh, preventive or otherwise, if she didn't come. So she started out with just doing that. Now they have a home for the handicapped, a home for the elderly. They have the schools for the kids and the orphanages. Um, and, you know, the Out of Body Travel Foundation assisted in raising funds for some of the rooms in the latest building, the one for the handicapped. 
And um, so we are um, raising money for their continuing efforts as well. So you can look that up on there as well. There's a lot there. Um, uh, and you can always contact me through the email that's listed, which is Hughes at outofbodytravel.org. And so just go to outofbodytravel.org. We have forums and we have you know, lots, you can, you can hook up with other people who are interested in following the same stuff on those forums, which are also linked at the page, not to mention thousands and thousands of hours of video content that you can yeah. just watch for free. Yeah. So just click on the YouTube channel link if you're interested in that. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Bobby Thank you for kept you inviting me on. I, thought, and I sure appreciate it. You, you're, you're wonderful to listen to. So uh, Thank you, uh, Augie. It was very nice to meet you guys as well. Chris, Becky, yeah, John. Thank you, Marilyn. I yeah, really and I you. don't remember the name of the one we've lost here, but tell her I said thanks for joining us. It was nice to meet her as well. And thank you. Sure. Yeah, she, thank she, you. She, yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you, she, Becky. She, she mm -hmm. sent me a text saying that mm -hmm. uh, she's sorry she had to leave because she had another uh, lecture she had to do at the top of the hour, a half hour ago. So, okay. Bye, Marilyn. All right. Thank Happy you so journey. much. It was a pleasure joining you all and meeting you. Thank I'm you. I'm going to meet you in the Astro plane, all right? Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> where, yeah, just let me know where you're going to be at. Then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for being with us. And then, uh, uh, oh, yeah, why don't you come and join us on Sunday for the Mastermind Group also sometime? I'll send well, you a I'd be link. happy to. Just let me know when and we'll set it up. <laughs> Let's do that. And okay. uh, yeah, that's on Sunday at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast time. We do a mastermind when we join mind power together and direct our intention and thoughts in a certain direction, either to solve a challenge or create a new uh, good thing or whatever we decide at the time. So, uh, we have done some incredible things with it, and I really, I'll send you a link for that. You're going to enjoy it. Sounds good. Sounds okay. great. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye, Marilyn. Bye-bye. Nice lady.